Let me, uh, let me ask y'all a question. What great things are you going to do for God? What great anointing are you going to walk in, in his kingdom? What miracles are you going to see? What, what are you destined to walk in, in the kingdom of God? So me and, uh, me and Mr. Donald and Miss Mary Bob, we, we, went to, uh, we went to Honduras a couple of weeks ago. And um, I just want to share a couple, couple of testimonies before I get going. Um, we met with one precious lady in the villages just outside of the town, and um, her name was Nina. She was a sweet old lady, and she hasn't eaten in a long time because her stomach was in too much pain. So we put our hands on her stomach, and we prayed for her to be healed. And she told us that immediately there was no more pain and that she was feeling hungry again. And then we uh, we met at a um, we met at a church in in one of the villages outside of the town we were staying in, and um, and we got to pray for all the church members that came, and every single one of them received healing and got healed in their bodies, and they also after they got healed, they also received inner healing in their soul by the holy by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. And um, so we saw, saw a lot of awesome things there. Uh, but the heavenly realm is just as real as what you see with your physical eyes, right? The heavenly realm has more influence over what you can touch and see. Um, you're, you're seated in the heavenlies. You've been blessed with every single spiritual blessing yes. in the heavenlies yes. where Jesus is seated. So when we minister to the world and to one another, we minister from the place of being seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenlies. And we reach out with our physical hands and use our physical words to speak that life and that truth. We have an inheritance from the Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> Y'all, Jesus is building his church, right? Amen. Of the increase of his kingdom, there is no end. Amen. So I've, I've been all over the world. I've seen Jesus' church established in every little corner and crevice of the earth. The, uh, the mountains of Tibet, the rice fields in Cambodia, the city of San Francisco, the wilderness of Mongolia, the jungles of Honduras, and the city of Starkville, right? Come on. Jesus is building his global church. Yeah. Amen. The kingdom of God is ever increasing. So, what great things are you going to do in this global kingdom? Let's open up to, um, we're going to look at Exodus 24. Verse 
verses 12 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and stay, stay there so that I may give you the stone tablets with the law and commands I have written for their instruction. So Moses arose with his assistant Joshua and went up to the mountain of God. He told the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. Aaron and Hur are here with you. Whoever has a dispute should go to them. When Moses went up to the mountain, the cloud covered it. The glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, he called to Moses from the cloud. The appearance of the Lord's glory to the Israelites was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Moses entered the cloud as he went up to the mountain, and he remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. All right, so can you even imagine, begin to imagine what that was like, going up to the mountain and meeting with God? He went up to the mountain and met with God, and the rest were afraid to go. They didn't, they didn't want to, they didn't want to approach, approach all the fire and smoke and everything. And um, I just got to thinking, what kind of man meets with God like that on the mountain? Whoa. What kind of man will he meet with like that on the mountain? So y'all know that I, I like the wild and crazy stuff. I like I like all the weird stuff, and I love I love the uh, the crazy testimonies. But so while I was in Honduras, I heard a doozy of a story. So I've I've never heard a story like this in my life. And um, when I heard this story, I had to ask Mr. Donald, Miss Mary Bob, did he really just say that? Did he just say what I thought he said? And so they confirmed it, and I, I thought to myself. Can God do that? Is that is that okay for him to do that? Is he allowed to do that? Um, so I've seen some pretty cool miracles in my life, but this stretched my faith a little bit. It took me a minute to accept that this guy wasn't lying. He didn't have any reason to, and all his family accepted it. Uh, so I met this. Uh, I met this. Uh, a few of y'all may know him. Who's who's uh, who's been down there? Um, so I, I met this pastor in a in a village, out in the uh, out in the jungle in in, uh, in Honduras. His name was Pastor Jose. So as soon as I met him, I felt an instant draw to him. Uh, I, I wanted to know this man, and uh, he was warm and welcoming and loving. And uh, and he invited us all into his home, and uh, and he went. And, pick some fresh rambutans for us. Y'all know what rambutans are? I mean, they're, they're the little red spiky balls with the white fruit in, in the middle of it. <clears throat> anyway, so we were all sharing and, and, and we were praying with each other and, um, and they were catching up um, on, the, on the lives and stuff like that. But he's, a, he's a pastor in this little small village in the mountains um, just a bunch of mango farmers and coffee bean farmers way back up in the jungle. I don't really know. I don't know actually what they did, but um, that's what it looked like. And uh, you had to drive these uh, bumpy dirt roads to get there to him, to get there to this place. And y'all, he's, he's faithfully 
been a pastor there with a bunch of mango farmers and uh, coffee bean farmers in that little village since 1980. He's been faithfully serving there, the people of God, and this tiny little mountain village for over 40 years. And, uh, and he used to traverse the mountains to the neighboring villages to share, share the gospel with the unreached there. And, um, but I, I told him, I said, you, you've been faithful to the people of God longer than I've been alive. You're a, you're a general in the kingdom of God. Un general en el reino de Dios, however you say it. And, um, but he humbly smiles. And um, as I try to recognize his greatness in the kingdom, and he, uh, he just knows that he's following the Lord and he's been faithful to what's been given to him. He, uh, he just simply loves his people. And uh, so anyway, this is the guy that he decides to tell us a story. And um, he tells us this amazing story. So do you all want to hear a, hear a wild story? Yeah. All right. So I'm just going to go on and tell you, you've never heard one like this before. And uh, I would be reluctant to believe this, but he had a good reputation among the people and among the, the ministers in the area. So I'm going to give you the condensed version. Um, this man, he had, a, uh, he had a diseased liver. And there's lots that can go wrong and cause liver problems when you live in the jungle without access to, to good quality water. So his liver was in bad shape, and being a a pastor out out in the out in the mountains, he um, he didn't have the means to go to the city and get appropriate medical care. So he was at his house one day, and suddenly um, God just shows up to him. All right, and he said that that God picked him up off of the ground and carried him away, floated him in the air up to the, above the clouds and up on top of a mountain. You could see it from his house and set him down on top of a mountain. And at this point, I had to say, is that, is that what he just told us? Is that what he just said? And he said that he laid there on the mountain. I don't know how long it went on, but he couldn't move. He couldn't stand up, couldn't worship, couldn't, couldn't talk. He just laid there and cried because he felt the, the weight of the presence of God was so heavy upon him. He, he could just do nothing but lay there. And then he said that at some point, uh, God reached inside and pulled his liver out and put a new one back in. And then... He said that uh, he was picked back up again and floated back down the mountain and placed at his house. And he had a brand new liver transplant. Um, some of y'all are skeptic. <laughs> I was too. Um, but he had, a, he had a meeting with God on the mountain. There was no conversation. He was just meeting with God. Um, so I asked you a question earlier. What great things are you going to do for God? What great anointing are you going to walk in? Who are you destined to be in the kingdom of God? 
Let's go to Luke 22. Start at verse uh, 24 through 27. This may not seem, seem like it, but it is connected to last week's message. It makes sense in my mind. Maybe it doesn't in yours, but here we are. Luke 22:24 through 27. Then a dispute arose among them about who should be considered the greatest in the kingdom of God. But he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles dominate them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you must become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one who is serving? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Now there's a... Uh, there's a way of thinking that we are consumed with here in America. And it's this, um, it's this idea of personal destiny. Now, I'm, I'm going to go on and tell you that if you are resting your hope on the fulfillment of your personal destiny, you're going to be disappointed. You're setting yourself up for depression. We, uh, we desire to be significant according to the world's ways and methods. And we, we take the, the world's template of greatness and we overlay it on the kingdom and we say we have a, a personal destiny of greatness thinking that it's going to look like the world's way of greatness except it's in the, the kingdom of God. <laughs> All right. Is is everybody tracking? All right. And so we think that in order to get there, I have to serve people. But that's that's not that's not what Jesus is saying, right? So people then becomes the means for your accomplishments for God. All right. <laughs> but instead, Jesus said, here is the kingdom template of greatness. Walk out this template of greatness in the world, not take the world's template of greatness and walk it out in my realm. <clears throat> and that, uh, that thought that you have, the, uh, that super special calling to be someone influential and great, that is the world's mindset, okay? Um, who is greater, the one at the table or the one who serves? How did Jesus, the most influential man on, uh, on earth, how did he position himself? 
He positioned positioned himself as one who serves. Now, um, I I don't want you to think that every every aspect of who we are is to be a doormat for everyone. Um, Jesus stood up in authority against the... uh, uh, against the Pharisees, he he stood up again in in authority against the principalities and the demonic rulers of the age, and he served and conquered them. There's a there's nothing wrong with greatness. Uh, God told Abraham that he would be great. What is it a uh, what does it look like to serve the way that Jesus serves? What does kingdom service look like? Um, we have been given an inheritance from God. So let's look at Abraham real quick. In Genesis 12. Everybody tracking with me? All right. Verse, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All right, now let's let's think about that for a minute. And let's say... <clears throat> that we have no understanding of how all this played out for Abram's life. Um, what if God came to you in a vision and he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing and I'll bless those who bless those and curse those who curse you. All right. How would you interpret that? What would, you, what would your expectations be if God showed up and told you that? Would you expect to be a, a, a great military conqueror? Would you expect to be made the president, a leader of a great nation? Would you expect, how would you expect uh, God's promise to you? What would you expect it to look like? So let's look at... Uh, Let's look at the next one that God gave Abraham in Genesis 15, verses 2 through 6. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Abraham continued, look, you have given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. Now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir. Instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took, he took him outside and said, look, look at the sky and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said, your offspring will be that numerous. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So, Looking at Abram's life, Abraham's life, what if God's promises to you are not for you? Okay? Think about that. What if God's promises to you are not necessarily for you? 
What if they are his promises to you, but the fulfillment of these promises is for the next generation? All right. Now, um, let's look at what the New Testament has to say about, uh, about Abraham. Let's go to Hebrews 11. Uh, verses 8 through 16. <clears throat> By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going, and by faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was barren, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. And therefore, from one man, in fact, one from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as the grains of sands by the seashores. These all died in faith without ever having received the promises. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confess that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Are you a temporary residence here, seeking for significance here? Now those who say such, such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been remembering that the land they came from if they had been remembering that land they came from, they would have had an opportunity to return. But they now aspire to a better land, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Okay. So I've been given some promises to me that I thought were for me. But these promises were to me. The promises that have been given to me are actually for the next generation. And it's my responsibility to work alongside the Father to plant the seeds of an inheritance that the coming generation will, will, will harvest. All right. Our, our job is to establish the foundation for the coming generation to build upon. Yeah. And at the same time, what are the promises to the previous generations? They they sowed 
they labored, they worked, and we can now harvest what they worked for, what they sowed. Can you say that again? That's how we declare his faithfulness to the next generation. That's how he declare, we declare his faithfulness is so that the next generation can do the, can do the same thing. for the way that you have lived faithfully trusting his faithfulness. Yeah. And we, we are blessed through that. Yeah. Hmm. What are, uh, what are some of the promises and foundations from your parents if your parents aren't believers and what are some of the promises and inheritances of the spiritual fathers and mothers around you we have a spiritual inheritance among each other look at this area what are the promises and prophetic words for the people here in Starkville and Octibaha County, going all the way back to the Native Americans here who cried out to God to send someone who would proclaim the gospel to them. <clears throat> so look around you, and you'll see that the world is completely falling apart. Culture and society have degraded to the point of no return. Culture is, it says there's no objective right or wrong, whatever you feel like, et cetera, et cetera. There are, there are even some medical institutions who are starting to refer to mothers as birthing people. We, we live in a degenerate culture now. My, my first 30 seconds in, uh, in San Francisco was a naked man just walking right through the through the neighborhood and nobody nobody batted an eye nobody thought it was weird or out of place it was it was normal the the culture is completely blind they want you to announce your pronouns so society has rejected our uh, judeo-christian uh, foundation and framework for what it means to be a nation and what it means to be a human uh, the world has rejected the inheritance that the church has built for our society and culture. But the people of God, we don't follow the culture, do we? All right. 
Hebrews 11, again, I'm going to read from verse 15. If they had been remembering the land that they came from, they would have had opportunity to return, but they now aspire to a better land, a heavenly one. The world is asking, how do, I, how do I live my life to its fullest potential? And I um, actually saw this, saw this online. Um, a, uh, just a woman posted on some forum. She said, well, I'm just not going to have kids because then I'll have to rearrange all my organs while I take a major break from my fitness journey. All right, that was, that was a real response, and everybody, you go, girl. Um, the world asks, how can I be the happiest that I can be? And the answer of the world is to set up boundaries and protect your self-identity and protect your self-perception of who you are apart from the reality of what, what God would say. And the, the world asks, how do I fulfill my life in the most meaningful way? And to stay relevant, we, we, we respond and say, oh, you, you can fulfill your life by believing in Jesus, and then you'll find your real destiny that way. And when they don't find their personal destiny, they leave. And the, the more that I'm looking at the... Um, at the questions that the world has today, the more I realize we don't have any answers for that. Used to, the church had answers to the questions because the society in which the church operated was held up by the inheritance of the church. And people asked questions that the church could answer. They asked the questions that we had the answers to. But now the world has questions that are so insignificant compared to what we have to offer. Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? If they had been remembering that land that they came from, they would have had opportunity to return but they now aspire to a better land, a heavenly one. The, uh, the America that we once knew is not here anymore. You can remember what we once had and despair that it's gone. And if you do that, you will submit to the society that is replacing the former. Or... You can aspire to a better heavenly one. Our, our nation isn't being restored to what it formerly was, but you can stand on the inheritance of what we had, of what our forefathers built for us, what, our, what the church has laid, the, the foundation that the church has laid for us. And you can stand on the promises that the Lord has established in our land. What our forefathers established for us. We can walk in that 
fullness of blessing while the world falls apart. And while we continue in the inheritance of God, we aspire to the heavenly homeland and we continue to pray on earth in this land as it is in heaven. That's, that's what I'm aspiring for is on earth as it is in heaven. Um, worship team, can y'all come on up? Uh, now, uh, when I was in Honduras, my first day, I got a, I got hopeless and I, and I despaired. I, I went inside and I felt, uh, I felt my perspective just get dashed by God. And I was, uh, I was all excited to go do some great things and, and, and see people healed, get saved and delivered. We're going to see revival in the churches. Yeah. And I looked around me and I got, I got hopeless and I started to feel the weight of well, what can I do? I'm, I'm useless here. I don't speak Spanish. I don't know the culture. I can't. I can't relate to uh, mountain villagers in the in the Central American jungle. I don't know what it's like to live out here. Why do they care what I have to say? I come from a cushy home with air conditioning, and I set the I set the air conditioner to 72 during the day and 68 when I go to bed. What a what, why did, why did they, why does anybody, why am I here? And, um, and then, I, then I met with Pastor Jose and, and that shifted my perspective. He has been faithfully serving that small mountain village since 1980. He's had no recognition. He's had no great exploits. No one will ever know his name beyond, beyond y'all hearing it this morning. And some of the most Amazing people on earth, no one will ever know their names. They aren't the ones on the TV. They aren't the mega pastors. They aren't the social media influencers who figured out the algorithm. The, uh, the greatest people of God are the ones who are faithfully serving the people around them. Who has God given you in your life? Who are your mango farmers? Are they your coworkers? Are they your kids? Are they uh, are they your your classmates? You have an inheritance to share with the people around you. You have an inheritance to share with your mango farmers. Don't seek the influence that the world craves so much. Don't seek the fulfillment that the world desperately needs to be happy. Seek intimacy with the Father. It all comes from there. It all comes from there. Search for him on the mountain. Meet with him. And when 
you go to him, share what he gives to the people around you. Share what he speaks to you on that mountain, to the people he's given you in your life. And count me as a mango farmer. students from Williams College in Western Massachusetts took refuge from the rain in a haystack where they began praying for the lost of the world, resulting in the haystack prayer meeting. That became a catalyst for the haystack revival and the establishment of the American Board of Commissioners for Foreign Missions. Their conviction became the field is the world. They sent out the first American missionaries Adoniram and Ann Judson to Burma, as well as Cyrus Kingsbury to the Cherokee Nation, setting up the Brainerd Mission in what is now known as Chattanooga, Tennessee. Heavy-hearted Choctaw Nation chiefs, Folsom brothers, sent a letter to the American Board of Commissioners of Foreign Nations requesting that they send missionaries to the Choctaw Nation, just as they had done to the Cherokee at the Brainerd Mission. They sent Cyrus Kingsbury in 1818 to establish the Elliott Mission on the Yazoo River. In 1820, he was led with his new bride mission to Octibahaw County to begin what was known as the Mayhew Mission. This is what, um, this is what Johnny wrote, and I'm going to read this unless you want to. I believe that the hunger of the Choctaw leaders to know Creator God established a foundation of seeking the kingdom of God over Octibal County and the surrounding region. Presbyterian and congressional missionaries were among the first in Starkville and Octibahaw County, not just the Mayhew Mission, but also the Hebron Mission led by Calvin Cushman who came with Cyrus Kingsbury to the Mayhew Mission but branched out to establish Hebron Mission located three and a half miles northwest of what became the town of Starkville. Now known as the Josie property, it was first deeded to Calvin Cushman. Calvin Cushman provided the first 25 acres to establish a Starkville named after his Revolutionary War friend named Stark. Boundaries for the original 25 acres were Cushman Avenue on the west, Lampkin Street on the south, Jackson Street to the east, and Jefferson Street to the north. Located at the mouth of two artesian springs, one was the Hickashabaha Creek. Selfless Christian missionaries were among the first settlers of Starkville and Columbus. Their prayer cries for the lost and unreached still mark this region. All prophetic words over this region in any entity should first give acknowledgement to the heritage, to this heritage. 
the principalities of darkness must give way to the foundations of the kingdom of God laid by these Choctaw chiefs and first missionaries. The ship of the kingdom of God has been moving at least since their days. New prophetic words have come and will come, but they come to a ship that is already moving. This is, this, these are prophetic words and promises that have been given over this area. That this is going to be an international prayer movement. There's going to be an evangelistic explosion. The unreached will be reached from here. Unity in the body of Christ. Revival on college campuses that will not be quenched. These, these are prophetic words to this area. And these are the promises, some promises and, and um, some prophetic words and, and inheritance foundations of New Horizons. The simplicity of the gospel of Jesus. Gospel to the least reached, to the least reached and the most needy common ground, unity in the body of Christ around the gospel of Jesus. We are, we are seeing some of these fulfilled. Common ground, ground is level at the foot of the cross. Every believer is a minister of the gospel. Every single person in here is a minister of the gospel. We, we see that we see that promise coming to fruition. People are, are going out. People are being ministers in their workplace, in their school. Revivalist movements around the USA, out to the world. And that consists of worship facilitation. Prayer movements. Passion for Jesus. Love for the authoritative word of God. mobilize the next generation to lead the body of Christ to the next level. We are walking in a generational inheritance. As, as, as each generation moves forward, they leave behind an inheritance for the other one to walk in. Elder led and body affirmed three buildings at common ground, faith, hope, and love. So this is faith, the building faith. We're going to have two more buildings, hope and love. That's a, that's a prophetic word. 40 acres outside of town. Y'all, we are seeing, we are seeing the reality of the promises given to previous generations happen right now here today. And we might not even realize the significance because I've been coming to church here and it's been, been awesome. Well, that's because you're walking in the promises. You're walking in the inheritance of those who came before us. God is bringing forth the reality of what he said to us today. And as we listen to him, as we press in further, we receive promises and we receive an inheritance to pass on to the next generation that comes after us. The children in here, they're going to be walking in something that they've never, that we could never even imagine. They're going to be stepping into things that we, we were hoping for.
we pray for people to get healed and, and usually they do. I, I believe that when, when, people, when, our, when our children in the womb right now, when they pray for people to get healed, they will see them healed. Jesus said, those who believe will lay their hands on the sick and they will be healed. There's an inheritance that we are establishing for our children. We have people consistently going to foreign nations, bringing the gospel to unreached, bringing the bringing. We have we have a team that is going in uh, uh, in Japan recently. They went and 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 helped restore and affirm and encourage and equip a uh, a missionary that we sent to Japan. I just got back from Honduras with uh, Donald and, and Mary Bob, and I realized, wow, we have a rich inheritance here. Amen. Honduras has a, has a rich inheritance in us, and we have a rich inheritance in the churches in Honduras. Yeah. Yeah. We are reaching... This little, this little church in this little town is reaching the unreached all the way across the world. We're walking in an inheritance that was given to us. Father, thank you that that we did not have to earn anything. We didn't earn a thing that you gave us. We are simply in your family and we received an inheritance from you.